The Old Testament lesson is from the 18th chapter of Numbers. So the Lord said to Aaron, You and your sons and your father's house with you shall bear iniquity connected with the sanctuary, and you and your sons with you shall bear iniquity connected with your priesthood. And with you bring your brothers also, the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, that they may join you and minister to you while you and your sons with you are before the tent of the testimony. They shall keep guard over you and over the whole tent, but shall not come near to the vessels of the sanctuary or to the altar, lest they and you die. They shall join you and keep guard over the tent of meeting for all the service of the tent, and no outsider shall come near you. And you shall keep guard over the sanctuary and over the altar, that there may never again be wrath on the people of Israel. And behold, I have taken your brothers, the Levites, from among the people of Israel. They are a gift to you, given to the Lord, to do the service of the tent of meeting. And you and your sons with you shall guard your priesthood for all that concerns the altar and that is within the veil and you shall serve. I give your priesthood as a gift, and any outsider who comes near shall be put to death. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. The epistle lesson is from the seventh chapter of Hebrews. And it was not without an oath, for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath, but this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those of the high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Please rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel from St. John, the 17th chapter. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 
I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Deliver me, O Lord, my God, for you are the God of my salvation. Rescue me from my enemies. Protect me from those who rise against me. 
In you, O Lord, do I put my trust. Leave me not, O Lord my God. Rescue me from my enemies. Protect me from those who rise against me. Deliver me, O Lord my God, for you are the God of my salvation. Rescue me from my enemies. Protect me from those who rise against me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Our theme for these Lenten midweek services is at its most simple, a meditation on the well-known words of Pontius Pilate as recorded in John's Gospel. Behold the man. Pilate spoke these words after he had ordered Jesus to be scourged, to be beaten with rods and whips within an inch of his life. Many who received the scourging that Jesus received later died from their wounds. After they scourged him, they twisted thorns into a crowd and pressed into a crown and pressed it into his head with sticks. They wrapped him in a purple robe and mocked him while striking him with their hands. After this, they led him before the people, before his enemies, and Pilate said, "Behold the man." But the words Pilate spoke also have a deeper meaning and contain one of the most profound mysteries of the Christian faith. This man whom they beheld was also God. To behold this man is to behold God. And this sets us on a course to consider and meditate on other mysteries related to the passion. Paradoxically, as we behold the man, we also behold a God who prays a God beaten, a God exposed, that is, stripped naked, a God with a mother, and a God who thirsts. These will be our meditations in the weeks to come. Tonight, we consider that in the person of Jesus, we have a God who prays. In the mystery of the Holy Trinity, the Son and the Father are equal, of course, but in the economy of salvation, the Son prays and submits himself to the Father's will. Jesus prays for us as our great high priest. He is a priest after the order of Melchizedek, the scriptures say, which means he is not a priest after the Levitical order of the Old Testament. Even, even so, in some ways, the Levitical priesthood foreshadows who Jesus is as does the ordination of the very first high priest, Aaron. According to Leviticus, the ordination rite of Aaron and his sons began with Moses washing them with water. He then clothed Aaron with the intricate and detailed high priestly garments, first a robe and a sash, then an ephod, a breastplate with the urim and thummim, and a turban with a crown. Even relative to what Lutheran pastors wear today, 
the priests of the Old Testament would have been dressed far more ornately. After dressing Aaron, Moses anointed the tabernacle and all of its furniture with oil. And then, as if to treat Aaron as if he were merely a piece of furniture in the sanctuary, he doused him with oil as well. Aaron's sons were clothed by Moses in coats, sashes, and caps. Aaron and his sons then placed their hands on the head of a bull to transfer both their sins and the sins of the people to the innocent animal, which Moses then killed as a sin offering, the death of an innocent so that sinners might live, foreshadowing Jesus' innocent death that we might live. What came next was more physical and bloody work. Moses smeared and poured the blood of the sacrifice on the altar and burned its fat, kidneys, and liver on the altar. He burned the animal's skin, flesh, and dung outside the camp. You recall that Jesus was crucified outside of the camp. Then Moses killed the ram for the burnt offering. He threw its blood on the sides of the altar, burned the head and fat, washed the legs and entrails, and burned the remainder on the altar. Are you getting the picture? Almost like a butcher shop. So much killing, so much death, and so much blood. It all serves as a reminder that with God, our sins are no joke. That without blood, there can be no forgiveness, as the scriptures say. And this, of course, points us to the bloody death of God's own son. Third, Moses and Aaron had his sons lay their hands on the head of the ram for the ordination sacrifice. Moses then killed the ram, and he put some of its blood on Aaron's right earlobe, on his right thumb, and on his right big toe. He did the same to Aaron's sons and threw the rest of the blood on the sides of the altar. Blood was everywhere, for the wages of sin is death. And the blood marking the altar and the priests meant that they were cleansed for service, to be God's servants in order that the people might also be cleansed and come into the presence of God in order to receive his holiness and his blessings given freely. Finally, just before the ordination potluck of the remaining flesh and blood, Moses sprinkled Aaron and his sons and their priestly garb with more oil and with blood from the altar. Those beautiful, ornate garments stained with blood. We must have all these things in mind when we call Jesus our high priest. Nowhere does he look more like our high priest than when he is covered in blood, when his cross is covered in blood, when the place that is called the skull is covered in blood. Blood on the earlobe meant that Aaron and his sons were cleansed to hear and obey the word of the Lord. Blood on the thumb meant that they were cleansed to offer sacrifices for the people that were acceptable to the Lord. 
Blood on the toe meant that they were cleansed to enter the holy places and serve as mediators between God and his people. In these things, they pointed to the one true mediator between God and man, the one who is both God and man, our Lord Jesus Christ. On the cross, blood covers not only his ear, not only his thumb, not only his toe, but indeed his entire body drips with blood. It's not the blood of an innocent animal, but the blood of an innocent man. And not merely the blood of an innocent man, but the blood of God himself. Blood poured out for many, the scriptures say. Blood given and shed for you. For we are cleansed in this way only, through the very blood of the God-man, Jesus Christ. Covered in blood, our high priest prays. He prays for the soldiers, yes, and for Pilate and for the Jews. All of that is true. But he prays also for us in our sins. He prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. For those who believe in him, for those who receive this, his atonement, for those who receive this forgiveness for which he prays, For us, his crown of thorns shines brighter than any high priestly turban. His wounds shine brighter than the jewels of the high priestly ephod. His glory, as he is lifted up in sacrifice, shines more brightly than the high priestly robe. As we behold the man, as he is lifted up on the cross, we also behold our great high priest, himself the perfect high priest and the perfect offering. He prays for our forgiveness, and by his blood our sins are forgiven. By his blood we have become holy and acceptable to God. It is the same Jesus who, though crucified, now stands before the Father. And there... This very moment, though hidden to our eyes, he prays for you. And he prays for you specifically and by name. He is a merciful and faithful high priest, the scriptures say. Where our self-centeredness has kept us from praying and from praying as we ought, still he stands and prays for us, interceding for us with his perfect prayers. He is heard by God. And because our prayers are prayed in and through him, our prayers are also heard by God. Our prayers are cleansed by his holy blood. They are prayed through his lips. They are acceptable to God. Your little prayers and my little prayers reach the ears of Almighty God. Jesus' prayers for us and for all his people never falter, just as his love for you and for all his people never falters. You heard that in his high priestly prayer read moments ago in John 17. When he lifts up his hands in prayer, they are the nail-pierced hands by which he has bought us. We have a God who so loved us that he became one of us and died for us. And we have a God who so loved us that he became one of us and now lives to pray for us. 
In the words of Hebrews, he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Let us marvel, let us stand in awe, and let us this Lent ponder, take in, and yes, behold the man. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.